Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years, and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I was intrigued to learn how companies start. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to have Roy to talk about his company and his journey. Roy, can you please tell me about yourself and the company? Hi, everyone. My name is Roy Friedman. I'm the CEO of C2A Security. This is going to be a very interesting podcast because actually I'm not the founder of the company. I'm the guy that transformed the company to something a bit different. And I guess this will be part of what we're going to talk about today, right, Evgeny? 100%. So yeah, it's a bit different podcast. You'll take one vision and see how the vision changed. And I want to see how did you validate that this vision is actually makes sense and what the market research you did. But before that, maybe you can do a very quick elevator pitch about what the company does or plan to do. Sure. So C2A Security is the only automotive-focused cybersecurity DevOps platform. And what we are trying to do is to streamline the processes of cybersecurity for the automotive products to make our customers, the OEMs, the tier ones, and the other providers in this ecosystem, have them produce products in a more efficient, cost-effective, time-effective way, and at the end of the day, produce more business value to their customers. We are turning cybersecurity from a limitation into an actual business enabler. I really like the statement. I think it makes sense. With such a connected infrastructure and the cars pretty much connected to the internet, I think it's very important to have them secure. None of us want the car to be stolen or have even bigger problems. The car will fix it. The car is the computer now, or it's going to be a computer on wheels. If you want, you can call it an iPhone on wheels. If you're an Android guy, you can call it an Android on wheels, whatever you choose. So the car for 100 years, it was basically hardware, but now it's software. And if you want to take the analogy and understand what it means to have software and connectivity with connected electric and you know autonomous vehicles, go to the IT world and understand what it means to really manage software at scale. Hundreds of millions of lines of code that exist inside the vehicle this transforms the way that this industry is going to manage itself and companies that will want to remain competitive, to release cars faster, to be able to connect to electric vehicle infrastructure, like charging stations, they will need to change the way that they manage software and protect their assets. I like it. So the company been around for around five years. You came to the company a year ago. And as you mentioned, you changed the way the company is going or where the company is going. And I'm wondering, what was the validation? How did you know to take it to this angle? Yes, just to be very accurate, the company exists for seven years. And I have been around for one year, as you said. Basically, the company started focusing on in-vehicle security for the networks and the ECUs, the endpoint computers of the vehicle. Now, this makes a lot of sense because it will be needed. But when talking about, let's call it financially, as a financial CEO, a guy that came to generate revenues, in-vehicle solutions have a couple of challenges with them. One is the challenge that the cycles of sale are very, very long, many years because you are talking about the production cycle of a vehicle. Second, you compete with very large companies, the tier ones, basically, that sell to the OEMs this solution. And last but not least, today, the software bomb of the vehicle is still not advanced and big enough. So the, let's call it the margins 
on selling these kind of solutions is not very big. So all of these reasons made me think and look a bit on the industry itself and look at my assets, the technology that I've developed for the last seven years or six years. And I've done extensive market research and talking to customers, talking to hundreds of customers to understand and validate what is really needed today. And that is the way that I reached the conclusion or the strategy that we have right now and validated it. For me, the validation at the end is customers, is a pipeline of sales, is partnerships that I have announced with the companies, huge companies in this industry like Valeo and Marelli. So this is where I draw my confidence that my direction is good. The reason that I feel confident is because of a lot of customer meetings and customer interactions. When you change the direction of the company, did it fundamentally change the product as well? Does it mean it's a new product or just the way you develop it or the way you position it is different? When I joined C2A, one thing that I needed to know is that the technology assets and the technology team is strong enough. Because if this was not the case, I would not have joined C2A. So this was my baseline. I saw a lot of building blocks, a lot of technology assets that I can utilize in order to package and sell the right product. So the answer is definitely I changed the product, but I had enough patents and IP and technology developments to do that. If I didn't have that, then I would not have the base of the pyramid. And I did have that. I'm guessing every customer is going to be unique and every customer will potentially going to ask for a different feature. How do you prioritize which feature to develop? One unique thing about having a cybersecurity DevOps platform or an automation platform is that actually automations can come in different shapes and forms. You need to be able to integrate into tool chains of very big companies. And for that, you need agility and flexibility in your tool. So this is like an inherent requirement when selling a DevSecOps platform. So even at the beginning, when I come to a customer at the end of the day, I'm looking to understand where are the development and operations, automations that will make his processes more efficient, will make him save on headcount save on time and every customer that we interact with every customer that becomes our customer we basically increase and build layers and layers of automation and that at the end of the day allow us to really quickly adapt and customize for others so that's the reason i can be very agile and still customize for different customers people in general don't like change so you coming over when the company been around for six years and introduce change. What was the motivation? What was the way for you to explain to the people in the company why you're doing the change and why would they be happy to still work in the company as well? I think that one of the biggest assets inside C2A are the people that work for this company. They are extremely motivated to make a change and basically enable this mobility revolution that we are seeing. And there is some inherent belief in our company that cybersecurity is a big enabler for the mobility revolution, same as cybersecurity was an enabler for the internet revolution. This is why we are seeing all the Palo Altos and the checkpoints and crowd strikes thrive, multi-billion dollar companies. And this will be the same in automotive. So it was very easy to, let's call it, transform internally inside the company, to direct the product in a different way and make the change because the same vision still applies. We are enabling the mobility revolution. As a CEO, with so many different tasks, and you need to talk with the people in the sales team, you need to talk to the engineering, you need to talk to the customers. How do you prioritize the time? 
So any CEO that will tell you that he works more less than 25 hours a day is going to lie, at least a startup CEO. This is a very demanding job, especially when a company transitions internally and externally. I am lucky to have a very independent and strong technology team. So I invest most of my efforts to focus on the product and how the product will be perceived outside. I focused on the sales and making sure that we have a very direct and very clear go-to-market. So I am more focused right now at this time on the outbound of the company. And the inbound is actually managed very well. So I'm fortunate for that. You mentioned every CEO that started a company work a lot of time. And from my discussion with the CEOs, a lot of them also involved in the sales process in one way or another, especially like the smaller they are, the small customers, and they become bigger customers. And it makes sense. But here's a problem there. You need to rely on your sales team. Like in what time you let go and say, okay, this is you, cut client, I'm not going to touch it. And you decide you're going to move to a bigger client. Very dynamic process here. There's no black and white here. If you only know what the nerve you're touching right now, I'm sure that Vir is just sitting there laughing his head off. No, this is very astute and very smart question. And the answer is that when you are a small startup, first couple of deals, the CEO must be involved very deeply into those deals. There is no other way if we are talking about a sales type CEO. Okay, if it's a R&D CEO, maybe it's different. But if you are a CEO that comes from sales, although I was also an R&D manager, in my past, my recent experience is actually sales. And that's what I do. That's my passion. So the answer is that you don't let go. You need to find people that are able to work together with you to close these deals, to be your helping hands. And then when the company reaches a certain level of revenues, you can say, okay, now I need to scale the business. And when talking about scaling the business, after you have proven there is a product market fit, then you can bring a professional, a senior guy that will help you bring up sales. Is there the tricks and tips to align the salespeople to the way you want them to sell? I can tell you that I don't have big tips. I know automotive very well. This is an industry that I've been a lot. Most of my sales side career, I've been in automotive and in enterprise, very big sales, very long sales cycle. Anyone that is involved with a customer needs to understand that sales is not about going to dinner with a customer. Sales is about creating trust and credibility, creating a long-term relationship that the other side understands that you are his soulmate and you are going to stay with him and you are going to build together something that is successful, especially when we're talking about startups and new technology, that it's not going to be a five-minute journey, it's going to be a two-year journey. And at the end of the day, you must be able to credibly manage expectations with the customer because you are selling a lot of the times things that half of them work and half of them will work. And if you, sorry for my French, if you will bullshit the customer, if you will not tell them the truth, you will lose them at a certain point. You need to be very honest and the magic, the real good salespeople know how to do this management without scaring the customer away. They know how to sell a vision, they know how to sell something that is real, and they know how to manage it step by step towards a very long, successful relationship. This is what makes the best salespeople. Very good answer. I'm sure as part of the work, you have a lot of pressure. And sometimes you probably have bad days, good days. We'll talk about the bad days later on. But is there as a trick you do for yourself to get back to yourself? Some people meditate, some people going for a run, workout. I'm not a good example for that. Unfortunately, I'm like a crazy workaholic that focuses a lot on the work. I can tell you, maybe it's funny 
But when I want to relax, I close the door, I close the lights, I open up TV series that I really like. Sometimes it's The Office. I don't know if you know the series. Yep. And it makes me laugh. So that kind of calms me down. I think it's a good way to do it as well. Why not? I don't know. It's not sexy as running or meditating. Hey, some people going for a walk. Some people talk to friends. Some people going to play volleyball. I think everybody doing whatever they need to be doing. It's in my mind wrong to tell everyone how they need to live their life. Everybody need to find their own path and their own way. This is how they become magical and true to themselves, as you say, you know. If you will go back a year ago when you just started, if you can give any advice to yourself, what is the advice you will give to yourself? One advice that I will give myself is to pick the right team faster, assemble the right team a lot faster and make very strong and decisive decisions relating to the team that works with me. In making this a success, I've learned during this year that in order to succeed in a startup, you need a successful team that manages the startup. It's not only about one person, it's about a team. And the second thing, it's setting boundaries in terms of how much time is invested in work and how much time is invested in other activities. I want to drill a bit deeper on the right team. What does the right team mean? Is the people like you, people that are different, people that are going to listen and say yes, 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 or people that are going to say no, we're going to do it a different way. So we're going to challenge you. I personally really like the ones that challenge me because I'm an alpha guy. And at the end of the day, if I'm not challenged, everything is done my way. And that's not always good. In some areas it can be, and in some it can't. So I prefer people that can challenge me, that have enough experience to challenge me and motivate me to think in different ways. I really look for professionals. I respect professional people that know what they're doing. And then it's very easy for me to give respect and listen. When I do have a challenge, when people are not considered, in my view, professionals to let go or be able to listen to advice, I admit this is one of my weaknesses. Okay, let's go even deeper in this case. In our industry, we have resumes. And if you're looking for a sales guy, VP of engineering, you ask for a resume. Now, the resume will not always show if the professional is just a resume and you may see it differently. What in your mind, the better way to see, would you invite everyone based on the resume? Would the resume give you some kind of first qualification and then you want to talk to the person to understand is there a true professional and they're up to your standards or not? The resume is always a screening mechanism. If you want to hire someone, you need to make sure that he has the base qualifications. And by the way, I'm sure that you are losing some good people like that. Unfortunately, some people may have no experience, but they are superstars. It's impossible to open up everything to everyone. You need some qualifications when you try to hire someone. The way that I want to screen people usually is also by giving them a task that I can see how they operate. If it's a sales guy, I want him to pitch the company to me. And I'm not looking for him to tell me everything exactly like it is. This is not the point. I want to see how he pitches. I want to see how he explains things. I want to see how he answers questions. I want to see if he's deep enough. I want to see if he's using his ears and not only his mouth. Usually for me, the best way to analyze is by giving a task. Great. We're going to transition. We're going to move to what I call the dark side. And this is where we talk about stuff that didn't go as you expected. And maybe stuff that you're like, oh my God, why do you even join this company? Like why? Just quit and just do something else. Or maybe do barbecue or go on a sub. So tell me some stories. You don't need to mention customers or names. 
that where you like wish it didn't happen to you or maybe that happened and you learn something from when i joined the company i found out at least for me that i'm a very process oriented guy and unfortunately at the beginning at least the company was not very process oriented everything was like a bit of a mess or a bit of chaos and i don't like chaos i like order this is me and trying to change a company of six years of people that were not managed in a certain corporate or maybe more ordered work style to change them it's a task that I'm still struggling with it didn't end for example writing meeting summaries with meetings with customers this took me a very long time to try to install this mechanism in the company so if you ask me what was a big challenge for me this changing a company that was less process oriented into a company that works with processes because I think it's critical to success. Okay. Anything else? As I said before, I think one of the more challenging things is you must have a management team that you really trust and you can work with in harmony. And this was not a complete disaster, but there were elements inside the management team that were not what I was looking for in terms of the synergy with me, nothing personal on anyone. So this was another point I needed to work on and fix. And this was another big challenge. Roy, thank you very much. I really liked the episode. A lot of good team bits that we say here in Canada and tips for people that are going to listen and maybe they want to start their own companies or at least understand what you guys do as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great being here.